We're walking through a series called Speak Your Heart this morning, uh, this month, and talking about our words and our tongue and how much of an impact they actually have. Uh, through my life, I have purchased many vehicles. I'm sure that many of you have also. And you walk in and you go to a dealership, uh, if you've ever done this before, and you walk up and you start looking at a car. Um, I did this even since I've lived here. I walked into a dealership, walked up, used car a lot, went over to it, started looking at it, and a guy scared me to death because he walked up behind me. He goes, 245 horsepower, all right? And uh, he scared me. I didn't know he was there, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, but it's a powerful one. And, uh, and so, of course, I said, well, I'm looking for something good economy he goes, well, that's the great news about it. It has good horsepower and good economy. And he starts to tell me all about the vehicle, right? He tells me every single feature about that vehicle. He tells me the size tire. He tells me about stuff in the engine, and I don't understand engines. And he tells me about the fuel economy, and he tells me about why it's so safe because he knew that I had lots of kids, and I didn't tell him, but it's easy when you see them all behind me. And so he's like, oh, it'd be great for all these little people, and he's letting me know all about it. And I was like, well, it needs more storage. And so, well, actually, you know what? You can add a thing to the back. You slide it into the hitch, and you can put a big thing on them. It'll be great for you guys. He tells me everything about he tells me why the paint job is good and all of these different features that it has with it. The radio, you can control the radio not only from the dash, you can now control it from your steering wheel. You can control it from the back seat. If you, who wants your kids to control the sound? Right? Someone just, someone got fired. Just letting you know. So, I mean, it's just, they tell you about all these features. You can control the air with this, and you can control the air with this. And everything they're talking about is about this wonderful vehicle that they want you to purchase. Here's the question that we need to answer today as disciples. What are your words telling other people about Jesus? Right? Because we do it all the time. Our words speak so much about a car, about a vehicle, about a house that we live in, about a business. If you're selling medical equipment, if you're selling pharmaceuticals, if you're selling cars, if you're selling refrigerators, and it doesn't really matter. You may be in graphic design, and so you're selling your company and your service that you can provide, and your words keep selling a certain product. But as disciples, our words should be selling and telling people about Jesus and so in the last week when you comprehend the fact that you've been to grocery stores you've been to gas stations you've been to schools you've been to businesses you've been to friends homes maybe you've been to a marriage retreat what are your words telling other people about Jesus Christ Because I'm telling you, the words about Jesus Christ are far more important than anything else I've mentioned this morning already. And so we start to think about that. How is our heart speaking? How are our words speaking about Jesus? And so we consider all of this and we ask ourselves, what are our words telling others about Jesus? Jesus. And our words can speak all kinds of things. We've been in this series for a couple of weeks and we've addressed the fact that our words do reveal our heart. Yes, 
We've also spoken about the fact that our words can shape our heart and the direction that we're moving in, and it can affect, affect and impact, uh, determine the trajectory that people are walking spiritually. So we understand these very things. Uh, if you haven't been here, I'd encourage you to go back. You can listen to those things. But today we're talking about some, some things that words can really speak to other people, especially when we consider what are our words speaking about Jesus. So I'm going to run very, very quickly through just four or five things that words can do. And yes, when I say quickly, I mean very, very quickly. Because then at the very end, I, wanna, I want you to know now, I'm going to speak about three things that we can be doing in our life today that can help change and alter the words that we speak. That can help change and alter the words that we speak. One of the things, though, that words really communicate is that words can speak truth. You can go to your bulletin. You're going to have to do this very quickly. Fill in some blanks. Also, just look at the notes that are there for you. But words can speak truth. If your words are speaking and telling other about people about Jesus, they must speak truth. That's what they have to do. And truth will tell others who controls your life. That's what truth really does. When you speak about Jesus Christ, when you speak about truth, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you speak about truth, you're letting other people know who really controls your life. Ephesians 4.25 Ephesians 4.25, and you have a lot of passages of Scripture there on your bulletin, okay? I'm not walking through all of them. Hopefully you know how to read. If you don't, we'll send you to Uganda, and you go to one of the schools, and they'll teach you, all right? Um, and uh, if not, have someone read it to you. I want you to have these, though. I know they say you should never give this many notes. There's a reason that you have them. I want you to take these. We'll talk about what you're going to do with them later on. Um, but words can speak truth. Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and then speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. So there's, there's a stipulation here. In order for you to speak truthfully, you have to put off falsehood. I mean, you can't do both. You can't do both. Isn't that, isn't that typically how it is in the, in the life of a Christian, in the life of a disciple? You're making a choice about one of the other. You can't necessarily do both. Well, you can't speak falsely but also speak truthfully when it comes to your relationship with God. We need to understand that our words need and must speak truth. They need to and they must speak truth. That's one of the things that we're going to learn is that if our words are telling others about Jesus, that means we're going to speak truthfully to people around us. Now, we don't like that very much. One of the hardest things about speaking truth is that when you speak truth to other people, it can cause conflict. Right? When you come to somebody else and you need to speak truthfully about something that's taking place, some of you will look, like, look at that in terms of accountability um, in someone's life, maybe your mentor or someone. But if you begin to speak truth, Often that can create conflict, but we must speak truth. Another thing that words speak is they can either lie or they can speak deceit. They can lie or speak deceit. You're going to have a decision to make in terms of are you really speaking truth or are you lying? Are you speaking falsely? Are you deceitful in the words that you're communicating? Why? Because lying and deceit, they reveal a heart more concerned about self than others. A passage I think we must all remember is John eight forty four, Because it's telling us about who Satan is, the evil one. It says that when he lies, he speaks his native language. It says that he is a liar. and says that he's the father of lies. 
And this is something that's difficult for, for many because it's so natural for us to lie. Here's the reason why lies and speaking deceit really reveal that we're more concerned with self than others. You lie because your interests are yourself. There's no other reason to lie, really. You want what you want. You want to obtain what you want to obtain. You want to get what you want to get. And so you lie very easily because that you believe that that lie will benefit you in achieving your objective. And so you very easily lie. You speak deceit. Or, you know, speaking deceit is really saying uh, it's not telling maybe a full truth. It's, it's altering what could be considered a truth to make it sound better for you. Another way I would think about it is manipulation. You manipulate a situation with your words in order for it to work out better for you. The most dangerous people out there are the ones who I refer to it as they're unintentionally manipulative. They're always speaking of something and turning something so that that whatever is being discussed so that that is working for their benefit they're unintentionally manipulative they do it with their spouse they do it with other people around them with colleagues maybe if they're in cells they always they tell you the good but they don't tell you the bad that comes with the good or anything else they are manipulative they're deceitful and that's also referred to as lying so we know that words can speak truth but we know that words can also lie we know that words can speak deceit Another thing that words can do is they can speak gossip and slander. Now, let me stop real quick and say this. I know I could spend a week on each of these things. I don't have time for that. But hopefully you've got some verses. You're going to be using those in a moment, and you're going to be able to learn even more as you dive into Scripture yourself. Words can also speak gossip and slander. Gossip and slander tears down another in order to give one a false sense of worth. That's what gossip and slander, gossip and slander are not the same thing, but they are what I would call sister words. They're very closely related. And gossip and slander, they tear down another in order to give one a false sense of worth. You have insecurities in your life and you don't feel good about yourself if you're really honest. And so the way you, become, you begin to feel good about yourself is you begin to tear someone else down thinking that'll make you feel better. It does for a moment, but as soon as you do it, you go, ah, oh, this is miserable. That's what happens. Like it's just, it's like for that moment, you're like, yes, this is wonderful. For me, uh, we all know this, it's, it's, for me, it's me and an Oreo. I eat it and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And then afterwards, I'm like, shouldn't have eaten three bags. All right? It just doesn't feel good afterwards. Well, that's, that's the same thing with gossip and slander. In fact, I think gossip and slander to me is very much a drug in terms of its addictive nature because it, gives, it makes the feel good right then, but then later on, uh, it's not good, right? And, and that's what it does. It, it fuels you in a negative way. And it has radical impact on other people, gossip and slander. Now we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but we also know uh, from the Old Testament, if you read in several places through the Torah, uh, also beyond the Torah, that God hates those people who are gossipers. He killed a lot of people for being gossipers. We know this. 
Gossip and slander tears down another in order to give one a false sense of worth. In Proverbs eleven thirteen, one of the passages that you have there for you in your notes, it says that a gossip betrays a confidence. Here's what that's really saying. If someone is a gossip, you can't trust them. And I'll tell you right now, if somebody comes to you and says, well, I don't mean to gossip and I don't ever do this, but I am telling you now that they're also doing the same thing or they will do the same thing to you. It happens every single time. And so as soon, and maybe you've caught yourself doing that. That's the danger of, one of the greatest dangers today of social media. Is it's fueling gossip. And what it's doing is it's creating this false sense of worth. You actually think that you are feeling better about yourself because you know more about what other people are doing. You think about social media today, and there's a lot of benefits as well. You need to remember, my wife, her job is to use social media to increase sales. That's what she does. And so there are some benefits that come with it, and we understand that. But there are so many dangers in what it actually does for the individual because you begin to find your value based on how much you know of someone else. And that someone else is never Jesus. And our value should be based on our, our worth according to the understanding of who God is and what he has done for us and in us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we look at gossip and slander, we know that a gossip betrays a confidence. But a tr trustworthy individual, a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. I remember I was uh, living in Connecticut, and one of my dearest friends, oh, I love this family so deeply. I had walked through a lot of difficulty with them, and uh, all of a sudden I go downstairs and uh, to the nursery area of the church on a Sunday morning, and they're like, hey, where's, and they mentioned the family. I was like, I don't know. They're like, well, they're doing nursery today, and they're not here, and we've got kids coming in. And all of a sudden, they just decided that they were no longer going to go to that church. And these are some dear, dear friends of mine, and they just decided, and I'm, I'm calling them. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, we just decided we were going to go somewhere else. They've been there for several years, really poured into them, and really seen them grow a lot. And I just, I just, I was confused. I mean, I, was, I cried over this. Friends of mine who just all of a sudden just leave, and I'm going, man, we're living life together, and they won't even tell me what's going on. And I found out this very thing. Somebody had went to them and told them something that was gossip in nature, was not true. They had unintentionally manipulated the situation, it's fair to say. They heard it, they believed it, and ended up, what did they do? They destroyed a friendship. A gossip separates close friends. It's something that literally today, years later, still just, it hits me. It, it eats away at me. That's what gossip does. That's what slander does. Gossip is careless chatter. It's a good way to define it. You have to ask yourself, is what you're saying providing eternal worth? Eternal 
value? Is it furthering someone? Is it bettering someone and their relationship with God? Gossip is careless chatter. Slander is open sharing of damaging information that is reckless. And literally, the true meaning is that it speaks against another. It speaks against another. That's what it is. And it is truly one of the most destructive things happening within the church today. But I can't help but remember um, Romans 13.10 says that love does no harm. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Love does no harm to its neighbor. And we think about the harm of gossip. We think about the harm of slander, which tells you that's certainly not loving. Another thing that words can do, words can speak truth. They can lie. They can speak deceit. They can gossip. They can slander. But another thing that they can do is words can encourage. Words can encourage. Encouragement to me in my own version, you've heard this many times, I have about oh, nearly 20 operating mentalities that I just draw from Scripture. And encouragement, really, this is one of those operating mentalities. Encouragement means that you see others for who they can become in Christ rather than who they are in themselves. And you're pushing them toward that. You're pushing others toward who they can become in Christ Jesus. There's a reason. I'm so glad that Rachel mentioned this earlier. I challenged you last week to encourage three people spiritually. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand but if you did that because we already know it's gonna, everybody's going to raise both hands. And I know you all did that, right? That's, it makes a difference. And if you did do that, I, I, I'm certain that after you did that every time you go, you know what, that... It makes you feel different because you're, you're representing more than yourself. You're representing God. And so words can encourage. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A kind word cheers it up. In fact, this is really a healthy way for us to think about how we speak. And there's a reason that I've chosen lying and deceit and, and, and gossip and slander, but also encouragement and speaking truth. Because these are some of the basic components of the human language. These are some of the basic categories. If you were to break them up spiritually uh, in terms of understanding how we use our words, this, these are easy ones for us to identify with. But this is what I want to show you, is that if you put all of these words together, and look at this graph. So you've got truth and gossip and deceit and slander and encouragement and lying. What you need to be doing spiritually, that's when you have all these passages of Scripture right there in front of you, is that when you're speaking, whether it be to your spouse or whether it be to a friend or anyone else, it does not matter. All of these components, all of these categories, all of these areas need to be put into a filter. And you need to ask yourself, is what is coming out of that? Is what coming out of that? Is it Jesus? Is that what you're discovering? 
We should be able to take all of these different things and put them through a blender. And what is pureed, what comes out is Jesus Christ. And if you're speaking anything in your life that is not coming out as Jesus, you need to be quiet. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge to do. You can imagine it now. You're putting all these in. And it's such a good, good way to think about it. You put them all in, you pour them all in, and you open up the bottom there and it comes out. Is what is coming out of your mouth? Would your kids, if they didn't know this question was coming, and I walked up to your kids, or maybe if you're a kid, I walked up to your father or your mother, or maybe I walk up to your spouse or to a friend of yours, And I say, hey, I just want to know one thing. Over the last seven days, when I think about this person and the words that they've spoken, is it Jesus that comes to mind? Is it Jesus that comes to mind? Proverbs 18.21 tells us, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What are your words telling others about Jesus? I want to give you three things that you can do to help tame your tongue to hopefully allow it to speak more about Jesus than ever before. I want to give you three things that I really encourage you to do so. And these are basic things. These are, these are three things that if we could each do, I'm certain it'll, it can change your life and it can change your marriage. It can change your relationships that you have with friends and with other people. Here's the very first thing that we have to do. If you really want to tame your tongue, you need the very first thing you always have to do is this. You have to surrender to God's authority. That's the first thing. Now, that's very easily said. It's a very difficult thing to be able to do. But I want to read for you James chapter 3. I preached through James chapter 3, 1 through 7 a week ago. Um, James chapter 3, 8 through 12. Let me read through this just very quickly. I'm going to do it fast, but you're going to get the point here. It says, but no human being, it says, can tame the tongue. Now, I want, that's how it begins. That's why you have to surrender to his authority because it says if you're trying to do this on your own, you're going to fail. You can't just try harder and then all of a sudden tame your tongue. It says no human being can tame the tongue. Why? Because it is a restless evil. It's a restless evil full of what? Deadly poison. Your tongue, you can't control it, and it's full of deadly poison. So what that means is this. If you're the one trying to control it, you're not willing to surrender to God's authority, that deadly poison is going to leak out. It's going to leak out. With it, it says we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What this is very simply saying is you have to make a choice of whether or not you're going to surrender to God's authority because you yourself can't control your tongue. It cannot happen. It will always come as a result of surrendering to who God is. That's the first thing that you need to do. The second thing is this. You need to focus on the word of God. I've given you all of these passages in your bulletin for this very reason. One, I didn't even want to ask you to have to take out a, an, a phone or anything else or to take out a hard copy of the Bible and to turn to all these passages. I'm asking that you read each one of these verses every single day this week. And it's easy. like It's right there in your hand. All you got to do is carry around that one sheet of paper. I'm trying to make this as easy as possible because I believe, I know that when you allow the word of God to penetrate the walls around your heart, to seep into your heart, that God can transform, that God can control the tongue, God can control the heart and everything else. I'm asking that you spend time in God's word. And you're going to be reading about how truth impacts and yes, about the power of lying and, 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 and deceit and gossip and slander, but you're also going to be reading words of encouragement as well. And we need to be able to do all of it. I'm convinced that if we can submit to God's authority, but also if we can focus on the word of God, it'll change things in our life. Why? Because the truth of God is our source of spiritual energy, and we need to spend time with him. And as we absorb truth, the indwelling spirit transforms us and produces strength within our lives. Third thing that we can do, if you really want to tame the tongue. And this is going to be learned. This is the same thing I tell the elders at every single meeting almost. I send a list out. I say I, I really mean Cindy Heath, sends a list out to them before the meeting, and it says the following. It gives them everything we're going to be speaking about, and then it says if you haven't prayed about it, you don't get to speak about it. One of the greatest things I've learned in my life because if you can't tell, I'm a talker. Yes? This is your chance. Yes? Yes, thank you for encouraging me. One of the most important things I've learned in my life is this. If I'm speaking apart from Jesus, I'm speaking nothing of worth. And that's really impacted my life. You know, it's a person who, they're honest with you and they walk up and they say, man, you sure do say a whole lot to be saying nothing at all.
And I know I just, I mean, I just sprinted through a whole lot of stuff, didn't I? But it still comes down to the fact of this. Listen, whether it be deceit or lying or encouragement or truth or gossip, slander, whatever it is. If we're disciples in Jesus Christ, our concern is that whatever comes into our mind and then filters out through our mouth, that they are words that paint a picture of the saving grace, the saving mercy of Jesus Christ. What are your words telling others about Jesus? What are your words telling others? about Jesus. You know, one of the great things about words is, and even the word of God, is that they remind us that we can't separate our relationship with God with our relationship with others. It doesn't work that way. And I pray that you'll understand that more and more. I'd like to invite uh, Pastor Emmy to come forward this morning. And I'm, I'm going to invite him. If you would, grab that microphone right there on that seat, friend. And I'll make sure it's on for you. I'd like you to pray for these friends, these brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, you've been here many, many times. And hopefully you've heard words of truth and encouragement, prayers of truth and encouragement. But I want you to pray for these friends. Uh, that they will know more and more of who God is, and that you pray for this church, that we'll be who God is wanting us to be in this place, but also as we support you guys, even on the other side of the world. So would you pray for us, please? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for who you are. You are a kind and loving Father. You have loved us the way we are, Lord. You have been patient to us, Lord. Even when we are naughty and do things which you don't like, you have been patient with us, Lord. Father, help us to understand you. Help us to love you the more and always to strive hard to be like Jesus. Father, I pray for every church member here, Lord, that our desires will be changed. Our tongue will be changed, Father. That we shall speak about you instead of speaking about other things. Our passion would be always to share how you are and how good you are, Lord. Father, I pray that help everyone to overcome the weakness in our lives, Lord. And I pray, Father, that what we see and what we hear will not contaminate our faith. But I pray, Father, that whoever in this place will always love to indicate your image in the entire community, in our generation. Father, I pray for everyone in this place. I know they cannot make it by themselves, but by your help, you will help, Father. I pray, King of Kings, that everyone in this place will be driven closer to you, will be always a desire to think through your word, 
and to act to every situation according to your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will always change their personal desires, always to be thinking about heaven things, not worldly things, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are going to do this, Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. You are going to help everyone to overcome. Father, I know they are encountering a lot of challenges in their lives. They have challenges in their homes. They have challenges in their place of work. But I know you can handle that. That is not too hard for you to handle. Let them not focus on what they pass through, but let them always focus on what they can be to be like you, what they can do to be like you. Father, help them. As they tame, they try to tame their tongue. I know, as we have heard, they can't do it by themselves. But with your power, they will manage. I pray that your mighty hand, which is a healing hand, touch to those who are sick and you heal them. Touch to their relatives who are sick and heal them. Touch everywhere they need your hand to touch, that they will always experience your presence in their lives, in their homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.